Welcome to the My Big Church Podcast. On this podcast, you will hear a message of hope and inspiration from one of our pastors. We hope you enjoy the message. This is the Big Church Podcast. We have to understand the why behind the what. And so I'm going to be giving you lots of research today and teaching you on how we can make a difference to the next generation. Are you ready? Do you have your paper and pens or your phone to take notes? Okay, I heard some no's. Get those out and then you're ready. Let's go. Let's go. Abraham Lincoln said, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. And I'll tell you, I believe that the church has had our head in the sand for far too long. We've allowed culture to happen to us instead of being the change agents in culture. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We are the church. Everybody point to your chest and say, I'm the church. Let me hear you. I'm the church. I'm the church. We are the church. And culture today is so loud, but the church is so quiet. We have not been standing where we should stand. We've not been speaking what we should speak. And culture is creating something that doesn't look like God whatsoever. So I want to let you guys know that that statement rests on us. And I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to raise your hand and keep it raised until everybody, until I'm done with all of them. But have you ever found yourself complaining or, oh, wait, wait. (laughs) Thank you for being honest. Uh, Complaining or talking about the following topics, mass shootings. You've complained about it. You've talked about it. Okay. Keep them up. Racism. Okay. Addiction and overdose. Suicide. Would you look around? Real quickly, look around. Almost every hand is up. We have been the ones that have talked about it or complained about it, but because our hand's in the air today, we can be the ones that are going to change about it, right? So good. We are responsible for all the things that we are complaining about in culture. It rests on our shoulders. We have an opportunity to be the change that the world needs to see. How many of you guys have felt like, you know what? I talk about it. I talk about it. I talk about it. But today I want to be about it. That was me. I heard, um, I went to a class at VU conference called the future of the church. And I was like, hmm. That's interesting. I bet they're going to teach us a lot of practical things that we can bring back to the church and change our church. And that wasn't it. It was about details that we need to know so that we're prepared to change the church. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We are the church. And it's not easy to take a stand for truth. It's not easy to stand on God's word. It's not. Not in today's culture because when we make a stance, guess what the world tells us? You haters. You just hate us because we're this. You hate us because we do that. And that is not the case. As a matter of fact, we love 
so we confront. We love so we speak the truth. It's not about hate at all. It's all about love. love. And I think it's time that we flip the script. Culture wants us to bow our knee to it, but God wants us to bow our knee to him. That's what he's looking for. And I believe if we quit being preachers and priests, now hear me all the way out, to the next generation, and we become missionaries, everything's going to change. We got to quit preaching at them and telling them how to live their life, but be missionaries and disciplers and put your arm around this generation and walk them in the way that they should go. We have to do life with people or we do not have a leg to stand on. Because if I sat here, let me just use Taylor on the front row. And I told her back in the day, if I would have come to you in that old lifestyle, that BC lifestyle, and I would have said, you've got to quit getting slapped down drunk. You've got to quit doing this. You've got to quit doing that. She is going to tune her ear out to me, but I can get in relationship with Taylor and I can love on her right where she's at. And guess what? She's going to open up her heart to, ha- to hear what I have to say. God wants us to be missionaries and disciplers to the future generations instead of sitting back quietly and letting them do whatever they're going to do. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says, These were his, and his meaning Jesus, instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now listen, if you're in the sound of my voice, you're the workers. He's sending into the fields. He's wanting to use you to make a difference. You guys, we've got to pray more than we've ever prayed. We've got to know the word more than we've ever known the word. We've got to commit to be the change that we want to see. Let me just tell you, people don't care how much you know. They care how much you care. And that is going to be the change agent. Education is the passport to the future for today. For tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today, said Malcolm X. Let me repeat that. Education is the passport to the future. For tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. I'm going to prepare you for the future today. Today, I'm going to educate you on generations so that when I come in next week and I start bringing more of the word and more of the word and preach a little more than I teach next week, you're going to be able to know what to do. I don't want us at Big Church or even the Capital C Church to be one of those people that sit and go, gosh, I don't know why things have gotten so bad. Because if we're doing that, it's because we're not making the change. We're sitting here going, ah, when all along in our heart of hearts, we know what we need to do. Amen? Let's not get caught off guard. 
I'm going to share research from the Barna Group. And what they are is they're an evangelical Christian polling research agency. Anything you ever want to know about the church and, and research about the church, you can go Google the Barna Group and you can find it out. You can find out about attendance, giving, um, generations, the best of this and the best of that, or the worst of this and the worst. You can find it there. He's very well known. So today I'm going to be talking about three generations. Oh, there's a sweet little lady that sits on the back row in first service. And she said, like, like she was born in 1935, she said. And she said, you missed a generation. And I, we are full of all generations from baby boomers down to the Gen Zers. But the research that George Barna did was on three generations. So we're going to be speaking about those. The first generation is Gen X. It, it refers to people born between 1961 and 1981. Raise your hand if you're a Gen Xer. Oh, oh, those are my people. <laughs> okay, so let me tell you about us. We grew up in apple pie America. We grew up in the good old days. We grew up where our family sat down at the dinner table every single night and we had dinner together. And before we had dinner together, we prayed over the food that we had, what we were about to eat. We went to church every Sunday, and I mean every Sunday. We didn't take off to go to the lake. We didn't take off to go camping. We didn't take off for vacations. My parents made me... We would go on vacation and I'd have to go to church. And I'm like, my gosh, can't we have a break? No, that generation went to church every Sunday. I'm a former educator, teacher in the school system, public school system, might I add. And we were not allowed back when I was, when I was a teacher to give homework on Wednesday or the weekend because of church. No sporting activities could happen on Wednesday or the weekend because of church. We're a far cry from that now because high school, public high school um, sports have practice on Sunday. I'm like, whoa, where'd that? It just so, so quickly. And back in the day, going to church and being taught by the church was extremely important. Listen, our idol for Gen X is let's look good on the outside, but it's okay if we're a mess on the inside. We are the ones that created this spiritual mask. You know what I'm talking about. Kagan talked about it last week. We're, how are you today? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail. And we just go on and on and on that we've got it all together, but really we're falling apart. That is my generation. The key scriptures for this generation are 1 Samuel 16, 7. And it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by our outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So we can come in here on Sundays, my generation, we're the best at it, lifting our hands to heaven, shouting and jumping, and, but in the inside, we are falling apart. Wow. 
We have learned fake it till you make it. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to faith it till we make it. The next scripture that I want to share is Matthew 23, 28. And it says, outwardly, you look like righteous people. You look it. I see you worshiping on Sunday. But inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And that's because our Monday through Saturday doesn't look like our life on Sunday. And Matthew 7, 20 says, yes. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you, so you can identify people by their actions. It's more than about what we act like. God's looking at our heart, but we will be determined by our actions. And so we can, our actions on Sunday can look like we got it all together, but people are really watching our life Monday through Saturday. You guys, the church absolutely must stay current. But we haven't. The current church model, not necessarily big church, but the capital C church model is to reach my generation. So we're living with two generations that we're not even caring about right now. It's like, no wonder six to 10,000 churches are closing every single year because we're not reaching those ones. Ronald Reagan said, and he wasn't talking about church, but everything is about Jesus. And he says, we're one generation away from extinction, and we're not reaching two. We're preaching and doing church for people my age. The millennials. Raise your hand if you're a millennial. Oh, oh, yeah. 1981 to 1996. Raise your hand if you're a millennial. I think I'm a millennial. I'm not, but yeah, okay. Let me see those hands one more time. Look around, look around. We got them all. Okay. I'm raising four millennials. They've gotten a bad rap. Millennials, you guys just kind of sit there and take this in a minute. You've gotten a bad rap. What happened? Oh, wait. You just wait. But listen, listen to this. Parents are the blame for millennials being this way. We, I, have treated my kids like they're special little snowflakes. Wow. <laughs> You're so wonderful. You're so great. Da, 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 da. On and on and on. They are special and they are unique, but they are infallible. <laughs> um, so the parents should be getting the bad rap on this. But let me tell you about millennials. They are the bridge generation. They've got one foot in their parents' generation and they've got one foot in the new generation, Gen Z. And here's the thing about having one foot there and one foot there. You're straddling a fence and that is not a comfortable place to be. So they don't know where they fit. But can I tell you, millennials are the fastest growing generation to exit the church. Here's why. They're leaving the church today because they want authentic. They don't want a religious message that makes no sense to their daily life. They want it to be real. They want to be able to take the message and the worship that they had on Sunday and apply it to their Monday. They want a real Jesus 
and they want real relationships, not the backstabbing that happens in my generation because I'm, we're all trying to look good, but we're not being good. They want church to be transparent. They want to leave you knowing you're for them and not against them. The idol of this generation, get ready, now I'm going to slam you millennials, is your own daggone ego. <laughs> you think you're so great. <laughs> As somebody on this side, I won't call anybody out, but somebody was like, we're the best. Yes, you think you are. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> you're one of the best. <laughs> But anyway, moving on. James 4.10 is the scripture for this generation. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Here's something I see in this generation. I train this generation. This generation are my um, interns. So I spend a lot of time with them. That's why I think I'm them. Um, but... Here's something they are pushing and doing and trying to be something instead of just humbly doing what God wants them to do so that he will lift them up. You guys don't have to work at it. You don't have to shake it up, bake it up, make it up. Just be, you guys. Millennials, if you'll just do what you're called to do, God's going to elevate you at the right time. So humble yourselves. The other scripture is Jeremiah. Oh, I'm not done. Whoa, back up. I see it where I'm like gonna, when we went to VU conference, um, one of the prayers that was prayed that we would network with the right people. And so I saw some of our people like trying to push their way to meet people and make connections. And all we needed to do is ask God to do it. Yeah. And he's going to put us with the people. And he did with Carolina and Taylor. And now um, this young man's moving here in two weeks. Um, right? <laughs> okay. So anyway, we don't have to do it. God will do it. But Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I'm the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. That's the millennials. Gen Z. These are people born from 1996 to the present. Let's see. So cool. So cool. Well, Gen Zers, let me tell you about you. All they know is this modern technology lifestyle. They don't know about a paper Bible. Their Bible is either on an iPad or their iPhone. That, oh, oh, there's, oh, Okay. But they know modern technology, and that's all they know. They know a very confused melting pot. My generation, we knew a melting pot, but now it's like, okay, what's, it's, we're just throwing all kinds of 
people in the melting pot and they're, it's very confused for them. They don't trust authority because adults and authority have let them down. Faith is the least important thing in their life. Doesn't that scare you a little bit? That the Gen Zers, least important thing in their life is their faith with Jesus. Here's the reason, two reasons. Number one, the evil in the world today. It's hard for them to have faith in a God and say, why is all this happening? Church, that's because we're not being the church. Number two, the other thing is they've seen that Christians are hypocrites. They claim one thing and do another. And that has been a thing that says, okay, I don't need that kind of faith. I want the real, I want the raw, I want it that way. 61% of them believe that they can find God elsewhere. They can find God in nature. They can find God in the new age. They can find God at the club. They can find God anywhere but church. But holiness is never going to be compromised. It has been lost for a season, but we're about to take it back. The idol of this generation is tolerance. Anything goes. Anything goes, and anything you want to do is okay. But can I tell you, my Bible tells me, and your Bible tells you, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that his word will never return void. What we've done in the last couple generations is we've read the Bible and go, well, I just don't think that applies to me. I'm going to twist it a little bit here. I'm going to move it a little bit here so that I feel good about doing whatever I want to do. That is not the way that God intended it. God intended us to have boundaries. And it's good to have boundaries. God chastens us because he loves us. We chasten our kids. We discipline our kids because we love them. And if we don't discipline, if we don't correct, then is it really love? If we're not having the hard conversations, is it really love? I'm just telling you, when I found out that 61% believe that they can find God elsewhere, I had a major woe in my spirit. Major woe in my spirit. The Bible says that the, that the enemy comes as an angel in light of light. He'll match however this group is acting and, and make you think that you can, yeah, you can do whatever you want and not follow the Bible and it's okay. You're still going to heaven. But the Bible's clear. The Bible also says that the very elect will be deceived. And I'm seeing this at a rapid pace today greater than ever. We've been lulled to sleep by the enemy. We have been worn down by him. And we are beginning to think that just because I'm not in agreement with something that I'm hating. We're believing the lie that because I, I love Jesus, that I hate anybody that doesn't love Jesus. That anybody that's not following what the word of God says, that is not true. That is what the media is telling you. That's the, what the devil's using the media. To, guys, we have got to pull it back together. We got to be the church. So the future of the church will only be effective if we answer the 
three following questions. And I'm going to break these down in the next week or two. Um, Definitely one week, maybe two weeks. We'll just see where the Lord goes next week. But here are the three questions. Number one, what is truth? Truth is so muddled today. We really don't know the truth. So what is truth? Where do I belong? And does my life matter? I'm here to say that every generation really wants to know those answers, but we have lost two generations because we're catering to people my generation that don't know those answers. We're going to break those down, like I said, in the upcoming weeks. But in the meantime, I want to leave you with something. I want you to think about this week that the answer to the church must be multi-generational. Can I see those hands again? If you are Gen X, raise your hand. Okay, we got, keep them up. Everybody be looking around. If you're millennial, raise your hand. If you are Gen Z, raise your hand. Y'all, look. I believe God has set up big church to be a change in the future of the church. But there's some things that we've got to do as people that sit under God's authority. One is we've got to drop our opinions of the other generations. Kagan said this last week that his generation needs my generation, needs the baby boomers to speak and give the wisdom that only we have because we're the only ones with experience. But can I talk to my generation and the baby boomers and say, we need their energy and zeal. We need their passion to make Jesus famous. We need their, their servanthood. So can we just say, okay, it's not about what you're doing and what you're doing. It's about what we can do together. We're better together. We've got to drop that and get in unity. We need to embrace the millennials because they're the bridge. And we need to be real. We don't have to fake it till we make it, you guys. We need to understand that it's okay to not be okay. You may not be this age. You may not be that age. But one day you're going to have kids that age. Or you're going to have grandkids that age. And it is up to us, big church, to see and make a change can we all just decide to lay down our way of church so that we can reach the ones that are about to walk out the door? Can we do that? Go ahead and stand. And there's two things that I want to end with today. One, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never said, I give my life to you for you to be the Lord and the Savior. I want you to go right now to one of our prayer team pray people and let them pray with you the sinner's prayer that just says, I choose you, Jesus. The second group of people, if you want to be the change and quit talking about it and be about it and drop all of your preconceived notions and, and quit going, well, that generation's better, but you want to come together and be the church. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. 
We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church Podcast.